I'm here today with Alexandra Botez. You might know her from her stream with her sister Andrea about chess and many other sorts of things. She's also a chess master, one of the best players in Canada, and I'm lucky to count you as a good friend. Oh, I really appreciate that. Thank you for such a warm intro. Thank you for coming. So we're going to play a fun game. The New York Times wrote an article on 36 questions to fall in love. Ooh. The way you build relationships is by exchanging vulnerability. I share something about me, you share something about you, and we take turns. And so they did this study, and they took these randomly selected pairs of people, mm -hmm. and many of these pairs became friends at the end of it. One pair did, in fact, end up getting married. That is sweet. I have heard about this. I never actually looked at the questions, um, so I guess today will be a first. Exactly. So there's three levels, increasing vulnerability. Wow. And the way we get started is... We're going to make eye contact. We're okay. going to stare deeply into each other's eyes. Oh, wow. You're, I can see the competitive drive. You're like, I'm going to stare so much deeper into his, and he's going to look into mine. I'm going to win no, this. No, I'm going to take this very seriously. I like it. And the first person to look away or blink is the person who's going to draw the first card. Does that sound good? Okay. Go. Well, I feel like we're just having a stare off. You blinked. I did blink. <laughs> because sometimes not everyone's as comfortable in intimacy as you. So when we're like, let's just like look at each other and make eye contact, people are like, I don't know, man. I'm like, don't worry. It'll be a staring contest. They're like, oh, okay. I'm going to win this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll, I'll draw the first question. So oh, let's do a level, level are one. You doing? Level one. Okay. We'll work up to it. I like this. I like this. What do you think is the hardest part of what I do for a living? I think the hardest part of what you do as a living as a founder is that it's constant. The pressure is always on you. You're always the one responsible, so you can't really get away from it like you can from other jobs. Maybe the better way to describe it is all-consuming. I was actually going to say the same for you. <laughs> Given that you are on camera and have built an entire business from people feeling that they've gotten to know you on camera, that means every second you're not on camera is the second your community is not getting to see you. Well, I hope they do feel like they've gotten to know me. I wonder if that is the hardest part. Are we supposed to give our answers? Yeah. Well, what do you think is the hardest part for you? It really varies at what point I'm currently mentally at. And I think the most difficult part for me right now has been authenticity. And I've heard it described very much as the artist versus the algorithm. And I've been really having an internal tug between what I'm really passionate about, what I think would be interesting to work on and what I think I should do. And that's something that I'm trying to work on a lot right now. But in the past, a lot of it is similar where it's you have to be thinking about it all the time, even if you're not on camera. From an artistic perspective, what do you want to work on? I want to work on topics that are intellectually interesting and that leave my audience with some kind of positive impact. So a counterexample would be junk content. Like sometimes if you're, you know, just posting a photo or just posting a short that isn't teaching people anything or leaving them with a good impact. It's just, I really want to hear what the answer is at the end. I feel like that can sometimes be junk content when you're just endlessly scrolling. And I want to be able to do something beyond that. And if I can't do it with content, then be able to do it with other disciplines. When you started, because once upon a time, 
you were streaming mm -hmm. and nobody was watching you. I think I had a lucky start. I was lucky because I had already started putting chess content when I was like 15 or 16. Um, so then when I started, I had, you know, some viewers, not a lot, but you know, 20 or 30, which is a huge jump over what most yeah. people start with, which is like one to two or honestly, usually zero. Because I asked because once upon a time, when you were getting started, mm -hmm. I assume it was more on the artistic side because you didn't have to worry about algorithms yet. Or yep. has that always been something in the back of your head? No, no. It really started off as a passion project. I actually started chess streaming because I just missed playing chess. I missed the social aspects. I was in college. I was working. I was very stressed with other things. And I wanted to make sure that I would still do that one hobby that I really liked. And that's what streaming was. Um, and for a long time, I didn't think about monetizing or anything like that. It was just something I really enjoyed. And I had a great time and thought the community was awesome. I thought a lot about this because studies have shown like intrinsic motivation is worth its weight in gold. Like yep. the fact that you actually give a shit and want to do something is so precious and so fragile that whenever you introduce extrinsic motivation, there's a level of internal intrinsic motivation that actually just disappears yep. and will never come back. Yeah, I feel like you kind of snuff it out when you just start focusing on, I think these kinds of videos will do well. I think this is better for yes. numbers. But I think I'm kind of a mix between somebody who is really interested in being creative and somebody who's interested in being, let's say, more of a business person. Mm. And those two are constantly tugging at each other because I find both very interesting. Um, but sometimes they're not compatible. And that's something that I'm learning how to balance. But what about you? You didn't tell me your answer. <laughs> I brought up that point of motivation because what you said around the artist versus the algorithm, mm -hmm. I think through that a lot for me in terms of freedom. I started Carrot with my co-founder in part because we both wanted more freedom. I spent an entire life doing what I thought others wanted me to do. Yep. Going to Harvard, working at these giant companies, yep. not really having a passion or motivation of my own. That's why I think it's so precious that you did. And realizing, hey, I have to go explore and find that. Mm -hmm. And it's going to be by myself. So for me, Carrot initially, one of the reasons why I started it was to explore that agency and freedom. And now it's grown to a point, it has a mind of its own. It's like a baby, it has its own needs. And sometimes I need to do things for Carrot that might not be what I would typically want myself. I spend a lot of time now managing people mm -hmm. and I'm not good at it. I'm not a good manager. I don't want to be doing this, but I feel like I have to. Okay, you might also not be giving yourself enough credit here, but continue with your point. Yeah, and so I think to your point, you have the artistry versus the algorithm. For me, it's well, I started this partially because I wanted freedom. What do I want versus what does Carrot want? Yeah. That's actually why I was excited to chat with you today because I was like, well, okay, Carrot needs for us to figure out a marketing content strategy. Yeah. And for a long time, I didn't do anything because I was like, oh, well, I just don't know what I do. And then I was like, okay, what if instead of trying to tie it to finances and business and numbers, what do I actually want to do? And it's like, I just genuinely want to get to know human beings better. Yeah. I've gotten to know you a lot. I want to get to know you a bit better. And this is something that I would want to do anyways. Right. So that's how I sort of been thinking through how do I maintain my freedom in the context of a larger thing? I think that makes sense in terms of why you're doing the podcast. I do wonder whether it's being a creator or starting a company. These things always start out of passion, but I feel like at scale, it starts to change 
how are you able to balance it? I actually just saw a video last night from my algorithm from a creator called The Hacksmith. Mm -hmm. And it's literally him saying, I can't keep doing this anymore because I'm super depressed. I started this like 10 years ago for fun. And now we've become an actual entity corporation. And like what happened along the way? I used to like look at professional managers and like scoff at them and be like, how could you bring in someone to be like CEO of a company that they didn't help found and understand what they're doing? Mm -hmm. And then I had a sober realization at a certain point when it just becomes about managing people, it all sort of devolves into the same kind of thing. And so I wonder, I fear that what you said, is it inevitable? Do we, in order to scale and grow, like you have to just give up a bit of the passion? And that kind of reminds me of the founders you see who are serial entrepreneurs and they're really good at bringing something from zero to one, but then they usually bring in somebody else to scale it because for them, what they've learned is that what they're most excited about is getting something off the ground and then kind of getting out when it starts to be a little bit more gruesome. Um, Not that I think you (laughs) should do that because it is your baby and obviously Carrot is incredible. I use carrot. I like carrot. Um, (laughs) What about for yourself, right? Because I feel like you said you're sort of in between the artist and Mm -hmm. the business person. There's so many models you could take it. Are you, what do you actually want to focus on? If you could just like clone yourselves. So there's like infinite Alex's, which is both a powerful and terrifying statement to consider. What would you, Alexandra number one, want to spend your time on? I ask myself a similar version of this question often. And that question I ask myself is what I would do if I had infinite money. Cause I'm basically trying to see what I actually want to focus my, my time on. Um, and I, I used to really struggle with this question until one time I said, why don't I just do it now? Because the whole point is when you are in a place where you're financially secure, um, it's not like you want to retire. You're going to need to work on something anyway. Yeah. Um, so I actually did starting my, started asking myself what I would do if I had infinite time or if I had multiple clones and what I would prioritize right now is honestly a lot of self-development in terms of getting healthier being mentally Mm. more into the work I do and I've feel like I've had a lot of progress there recently and it's really reflected in how much I like my work so I kind of see it as that's what I would do If, if if I wasn't working I would just be focusing on health stuff completely so I'd probably try to get into a really good eating regimen, trying to get very healthy, trying to read, trying to, you know, connect spiritually, trying to journal and do all of those things. So I've actually incorporated them into my schedule and given up other things as a result. Mm. And then I think once I'm at a place where I feel it's comfortable and I can sustain it, then there's second priorities I would have, which go a lot more into passion and the kind of projects that I do want to create. And the way that I've been doing it with content right now is it's kind of been a mix of what I have to do in terms of sponsorship obligations and streams, and then also working on content and projects that I'm really excited about. Have you ever heard of like the fisherman and the businessman? Um, It sounds familiar, but refresh my memory. So businessman goes to an island. Yeah. He's worked for like 70 years, extremely hardworking, Mm -hmm. gets to relax. Meets like a fisherman. He's also 70 years old, just like chilling there fishing. And he's like, wow, like you're such a lazy bum. Like you've never left this island. All you do is fish. Like look at me. I've built companies. I've built legacies. I have worked really, really hard. And the fisherman's like, okay, cool. Now that you've worked really, really hard, like what do you want to do? The businessman's like, I don't know, like fish, I guess. Yeah, that's funny. I love how arrogant the businessman is in the story. Yeah, of course. We can have yeah. a good, like, moralistic tale without, without just, somebody like, who's bad. Yeah, like this guy just sucks. He doesn't yeah, yeah, get yeah. it. But it sort of goes to your point. You're like, oh, like, here are things I want to do regardless. So I'm going to mm-hmm. keep doing them. Exactly. And I think thinking of energy and health in the sense that 
if I'm working on things I like more, I'll be able to do it for longer anyway, and it's yeah. gonna do better overall. I don't really know how much being healthier and happier translates to being a better creator, but I just have a feeling that it will. I feel like it's got to. Yeah, yeah. Like you can only be miserable and push yourself for so long before yeah. you just explode in a pile know, of flames. I know. So yeah, that that's All why right. it's been a, a priority, and that's why I've been just enjoying work so much more lately. I love that. Let's yeah. do another question. This time you pull it out. Level one. Level one. Oh, okay. Level one. Perception. What compliment do you think I hear the most? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, my ego is ready. My ego is open and ready He's whenever you are. <laughs> I remember we had dinner with Jared Leto. <laughs> okay. Like a year ago. All right. And I remember... He said, essentially, you are both very smart and attractive, and that the two of those are a good combination. <laughs> okay, so I get two compliments. And I suspect that it's the mix of those two that you probably hear a lot. No, that's actually true. It is the mix. Um, huh, that was spot on. <laughs> You're like, yep. Yes, I'll leave it at that. Um, okay, what compliment? Well, do wait, I wait. Mean? Let me let me go one step further. I think I think that might be the compliment you hear the most. But the compliment I would like to give you, I remember in school I learned from the Greeks philosophy, and mm -hmm. Aristotle had this concept called eudaimonia. It's called living a good life. Mm -hmm. It's when we're on our deathbed and we're at our funeral and our friends all gather around, and do they turn to themselves and they're like, "Yeah, like Alexandra just lived a good life, and she was just a good person." which isn't necessarily correlated with like the most toys, the most clout, the most fame, the most impact, the most goodness. It's more of this like vague holistic sense. Mm -hmm. You're just a good person. And I don't mean this in some like moralistic, like you are good with a capital G. You're not allowed to have flaws. Like I expect you to be perfect. It's more just like, I just enjoy being able to talk with you in to really open and vulnerable subjects because I know that whatever I share with you, you receive it, you hold it, you honor it, you don't look down on it, and then you share more about yourself back. I really appreciate that. I think yeah. that's a very high compliment to have that I don't hear very often because yeah. it goes into too much depth. <laughs> yeah, you're like, it requires actual thought. Like, oh, of yeah, course no one's considering that. So, so. No, I, I, I appreciate that. I think that's actually a trait you have as well, but Thank it's you. not what I think you're complimented the most on. What do you think on. I'm complimented the most on? I feel like what you're probably complimented the most on is like some general aspect of being smart. Right. Um, which makes sense. You know, you're a founder, you're running a company, you have an incredible way of speaking and explaining Thank things. Um, is that what you get the most yeah, compliments it is. on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like so funny. You kind of just know. You're you, like, you okay, know this is what people are going to talk about. Yeah. And for me... I have this weird relationship with compliments. It's complicated. Oh, me too. I, I usually don't like compliments unless they're a little backhanded. Ooh, tell me more. Why do they have to have a little bit of sting? Um, I actually don't think it's it's a good thing. I think I am just uncomfortable being complimented because often I don't think those things about myself. Mm. Um, and then I just assume that people are saying it to be nice. And even if that's not true, that's how a lot of my inner dialogue has gone. And not in a sense that I, I'm not confident in myself, but I'm also not cocky. I really get that because... Or imposter syndrome. It's also imposter syndrome. So when you hear, like the compliments that people often give you, yeah, right? Like when you hear somebody say that, 
like what what goes on in your head? You're just like, oh, thanks. Like, well, like if somebody sees me play chess and they're like, oh, you're a good chess player in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm I'm not that good. I'm good compared to the average person, but not compared to a competitive person. And if someone's like, oh, oh, you look really good today. It's like, oh, you know, for like this a lower standard than most people think, especially when you're a girl in media and you're forward facing and everyone you see on the internet is perfect. That being said, I do appreciate it when people say nice things and I am working on having a nicer internal dialogue because I don't really think there's any reason people should be mean to themselves. Obviously, you want to keep yourself in check, but I think it's just also the way I was raised. I came from a, you know, very, um, my parents were Christian and the idea was you should always have humility. Um, So like you shouldn't think of yourself too greatly and even when you get compliments, my parents would be like, oh, don't take it too seriously. Like everything you're, able to do like thank god and things like that for it so maybe that had some impact are there compliments that you look back on and you're like yes that did resonate with me and i do remember that i I think it's when people's minds have been changed about me in things that i knew were real that they didn't see initially um that happened after long periods where we've worked together and they were able to understand that yeah um those those were things that I think meant a lot to me. But that's because I know that person has gotten to know me for a long period of time. You mean like they changed their image of you? Yeah, or, or, or maybe they thought I had some, some flaws or weaknesses and certain strengths, but they didn't really get to know me. And then they were able to see what working with me was like over a longer period of time. And then when they give a compliment, I know it's very genuine. So interesting because in a way that feels like the human version of the slight backhand. We're like, oh, this person didn't like me before. You know, maybe it's that. I mean, it could also be somebody who I've worked with for a long period of time. Oh, so it feels more earned. Yeah, when when it's more earned rather than when somebody sees one clip and assumes like. something. It's like, no, it's, it's not that great, you know? I think there's a couple of things you said are really interesting. I think the first one is you talked about, hey, part of this growing up, your parents were like, hey, you really want to be humble. Mm-hmm. And I was expressed thanks. And I think like when we're young, like we have no idea how the world works. Like if you fall and skin your knee, right? Yeah. You almost look to your parents to be like, how should I even react? Do they ignore it saying that my hurt doesn't matter? Do they make a huge fuss about it saying I'm more important than everything? And I think there's that moment you and I probably both had where we felt good about something or somebody told us something and like parents obviously love us and like want us to be very successful and they're like, okay, cool. But like, let's make sure you don't get like too big of a head. Like, Hey, Alexandra, like this is great, but like, just remember, be grateful. Exactly. Exactly. And at a certain point that just like, we just internalize it. Do you think that's why you don't take compliments well? I think it's a mix of things. I think number one, it is, I just remember like I was placing in some of the accelerated classes in school mm-hmm. and like fourth, fifth, sixth grade. And my parents were like, just so you know, like in China, you'd be in like kindergarten. Oh my gosh. My parents used to do the same thing. And with like over oh, Romania, we learned this at this age. I was like, did you really? <laughs> that's kind of bizarre their parents yeah. independently did this like yeah. legitimately no, no, my parents did this too and they'd be like it doesn't matter if you're getting good grades everyone would get good grades if they were in canada or america yeah like, well, okay no i had the same thing it's like okay like you're in like the fourth grade accelerated but like your math levels are literally like china like kindergarten i'd be like oh okay it's like i'm sorry that i didn't do better in things that don't exist here yeah and then it just made me and i just felt shitty. i was just like yeah i guess i suck but then i was like I guess they worked like a lot harder. And then I like, hear stories or like, what was like for them? My dad's like, I learned English out of school books in the trash. And I'm like, oh, I'm not really doing that. Like, okay, yeah. Then how can I possibly like receive people like, oh, you're like so smart. You're like a 90 on this test. I'm like, well, you know, I wasn't like squatting in the 
sewage so did it really mean anything <laughs> that makes sense that makes sense so i think i think that's part of it i think i think the other part of it is like weirdly like not getting that validation i think part of me was like okay cool like i don't need it and yeah. part of me is like no actually i really do need it and i think that just dictated so much of my life seeking that bit of external validation so yeah. the second reason why i'm afraid of compliments is like oh it's just like just a taste like just a little just a little bit of give me some of that good stuff <laughs> and i'm like does this does this mean I'm now more dependent on it than ever before? Will I ever escape the cycle of pursuit of external and hedonic pleasure and validation? That's the other part. No, th that actually is how I think about internet comments. Mm. Um, if you're taking the good, then you're more likely to take the bad. It's a lot easier to just be kind of immune to what people say and base your own validation on your own self-image yeah. rather than what on other people say. So yeah, I, I understand when you don't want to get too dependent on compliments, but when it comes from people who are your friends yes. or people who know you, it's totally different. Okay, that's true. But there's still a part of me that's like, I can't fully accept it because like, obviously my parents are people that I was very close to and loved. Like yeah. what if associated friend one day like says something not nice, then it just like hits all the heavier. Yeah, interesting. So it, it feels like you're protecting yourself. Yeah, I think I am protecting myself. Have you, how do you think you take feedback? Do you... Think you're like, hey, I'm pretty good at it, or like, nah, like I've had trouble with it. Yeah. Um, I think I've been generally good at constructive yeah. feedback. Um, I'm sure that when it's something emotional and people tell me, you know, it's a lot harder for me to deal with, but then I ultimately do. But I think it's harder for everyone. So like when I do get constructive feedback that is on something really emotional, yeah, it does hurt. But then I do internalize it and I do try to really change it. Usually what I've found helpful is instead of waiting for people to give me feedback and letting it build up, because people usually only give you feel feedback once it's gotten to the point where it's kind of uncomfortable for them. And that's why they need to say it because nobody wants to give feedback. I usually ask like, hey, is there anything that could have gone better? Are things going so okay so far do you guys have anything you'd recommend we do better um and that's been pretty helpful what's a piece of feedback that you've received that you think this actually did change how i've thought about things or how i've tried hmm. to do things i'm thinking of if there's been recent feedback in that okay um my sister gave me feedback recently when we were doing a sponsored stream and the requirements for the sponsored stream were a little bit absurd in the amount of how much they wanted us to keep talking yeah. about it um, and I was following their guidelines, but it was coming off as very inauthentic. And I was kind of upset because Andrea was not talking about the brand very much. So I felt like I had to fill that gap. I'm going to like make up for you even more not talking about right, it. Right, because I was like, well, if Andrea is not talking about it, somebody has to hit the point. So I will say it. Um, and the feedback she said is like it makes her uncomfortable when it feels very um, disingenuous and being on stream and things like that. And when I'm taking more of it, she does less on purpose. Um, so it's kind of like us back and forth making up for what the other person is doing. Okay, one, like great communication because you noticed it and she shared it with you. Because two, if not, this would have just been like this destructive Botez loop. Yeah, where like yeah, yeah. the more you talk about it, the less she talks about it. So the more you talk about yeah, exactly. it. exactly. <laughs> it, it, it would have gotten worse. And again, it's usually not that bad for a sponsor stream. This one just had so yeah. many absurd talking points. But it's one of those things where... I was already annoyed because I felt like I had to carry the sponsorship talking yeah. points. So I had to take feedback from a moment where I was already upset. Ooh, um, but, but I did. And I thought about it. I was like, okay, you know, there's a point I can, yeah. I can work on that.
I just imagine this alternate world where this is not communicated and the stream ended up being you like a hundred percent just talking about the spots here. Well, Andrea's <laughs> just completely ignoring it. Just like it. two separate, completely different conversations and your viewers are just like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, exactly. The other thing you That would not have been good. <laughs> yeah, like I, it's almost like Cerberus, the three-headed, but it's just like the two of you and it's just like they're not synced. The two-headed monsters, Exactly. Yes, exactly. I, I also think um, the other thing you said that made me think of, have you heard of the Dunning-Kruger effect? Familiar, but I don't know what it means. So the more incompetent people are, the better oh, they the, think the, they the are. The better they think they are. Okay, yes, I have. But there's there's that. a converse where sometimes the better that you they are, that you are. think you don't know anything. Exactly, that's what it's I like thought. The more of, yeah. I know, the more I realize I don't know. Yeah, because yeah, you're like, oh, people are complimenting you in chess. You're like, oh, but I'm not like number one in the world. <laughs> Versus like, you know, rando guy sitting in his garage, split three times. He's like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that I, I, I'm, I'm aware. I guess part of the chess insecurity stems um, from imposter syndrome where, you know, I was able to grow on social media faster than a lot of, let's say, titled players. And of course, if you're, you know, a female in gaming, the only reason that you did well is because you're a girl and because people maybe think you're attractive. And people don't even say that in a compliment way. They just do it in a more general sense. Um, and Damn, well, wait, that's a really... Weighty statement. That's very much how it felt at the start. And that was a ton of the feedback. And a Damn. lot of people were, you know, they would just say things like, oh, chess thought. And again, I was just playing chess online. Yeah. Um, over time, I learned that obviously there's a much bigger factor and there's so many people doing content. And right. honestly, the biggest YouTuber at the time was a male who was actually lower rated than I was because he was doing really good educational videos. Yeah. Um, but at the time, that would be the criticism that I'd always hear. Um, and then it would just make me feel like, oh, okay, so like I'm not good at chess. People don't like it for the chess or things like that. And then I realized, no, like things are always a balance. Um, yeah, exactly. I think at the end of the day, like maybe in chess they beat you, but this isn't chess. Like this is a stream. It's it about is a stream. helping people feel educated, entertained, connected to you. And if you can do that better than other people... Exactly, exactly. But and I get that. Also, I get it, yeah. like, I also started framing things differently in terms of being like a, a female in a male-dominated field and that before I really wanted to minimize any of the advantages that I had because I didn't want to be critiqued for it. Uh, whereas now I'm like, well, everybody's born with innate advantages. If somebody has been a chess player and that's all they've done their entire life, that's their advantage. If I'm somebody who's been more well-rounded or have been in this community where I don't look like the typical person, well, you know, I've also not had the typical experience and it's going to be harder in some ways, but whatever perks I have, I should use it. Because at the that. end of the day, it's, it's so competitive. You want to be using everything you can. I had the same realization where I would swing between being really jealous of things other people had that I didn't but also feeling guilty over the advantages that I had that they didn't like, Oh, like why wasn't I born into like a gazillionaire family? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also like, Oh, like I'm privileged. Like I didn't have to, I was able to go to school. Like what right do I have? And then yeah. I sort of just balance it out in my head, similar to what you said. I'm like, Hey, like life in some ways, it's like a game. It's yep. a rigged game. You've been given like a hand of cards, right? Yep. And like play them to the best of your ability. Exactly. Like, what's the morality associated with having this card in your hand versus this card? I don't know. I was just giving these cards. Yep. But, like, I'm just trying why. to do my best. I'm just going to play them. Exactly. And, in fact, that led me to a mindset where I should try to, like, abuse my strengths as much as yes. possible. Lean into that. Okay, so what would you say is one of your greatest strengths that you feel you lean into? So I think of it most pronounced tendencies 
which in some situations are strengths and in some situations are incredibly bad and okay. not helpful. But like the most pronounced weird spikes about me from a personality perspective. So I think, I think there's a couple. Mm-hmm. I think one is, I think the trait is an extreme pronounced sensitivity. And I think that the way this manifests... I not expecting that. Yeah, Go I on. think the way that it manifests well is I really care about people mm-hmm. and their experiences and try and be thoughtful about how I'm working with them, trying to make sure that they're feeling like they're understood as well. Mm-hmm. And the way that it doesn't manifest well is then I get really needy in terms of validation, like really defensive when feedback comes my way or like I get really anxious that like things aren't going well. Like, for example, I, you know, you and I, we played pickleball a couple weeks ago, right? right? And like half the time, the whole time I was like, are people having fun? Aww. Like, is everyone pickling to the appropriate amount? Like, I would get anxious if there would be like an odd number of people there. I'd be like, one person's not playing. Like, I should probably sit out Definitely and just like talk with them. Pleaser. Exactly. So the tendency is the sensitivity. Which I can really relate with. Ooh, tell me more. I mean, I just get very similar anxieties. Whenever, for example, I put a creator game together, I want to make sure people have a really good experience. I don't want people to feel used. I want them to get good content, enjoy it as well. Um, And sometimes that makes me really anxious to invite people. And I get so nervous that the day of that something is going to go wrong. Um, Sometimes it doesn't, but it has gone wrong in the past, you know. What would you say are your most exaggerated traits? I think I'm extreme. Yeah. Uh, as in when I have my mind set on something, it's very hard to talk me out of it. I'm not one of those people who is really good at middle ground. I'm more, I want to be completely obsessed with something or I'd rather just not do it. So for example, like competitive chess, if I can't be studying chess all the time, I would rather not play cause I know I cannot wow. reach my best potential. So if I am training chess, then I'd want to do it for a month, an entire month, and let's say just train for some kind of online writing. And I think it's because I like giving 100% of myself to things that I really like. And if I know I'm not doing that, I don't feel as satisfied. I love it. That's exactly how it could be extremely helpful or like mentally toxic. Or terrible, yeah. Or if I mess up and it's like, oh, it's darn it. Like I did this. It's like all over now. Let's spiral. But then I've, I've worked on the, I, I think with extreme traits in myself, what I've tried to do is just really minimize the downside of yep. it and then be like, okay, you know what? If this is who you are, just, just go wild, just go wild. But, but make sure you're taking safeguards for, Smart. for the spirals. And stuff. I feel like for me, the way, first of all, like this is actually how I think about myself. It's like the extreme characterization. Like when you're making your character in the RPG screen, yeah. right? If you just put like 10 points into everything, you're probably bad yeah. and just not good enough. It's like, no, I want to min-max. I want to put like 100 of my points here, yeah. like 100 points into charisma, like zero into physical strength. Like I'm okay with this. You've been getting more fit. I I've saw been, I've been, try- I've been yeah, trying, yeah. thank you. But I think for me, the safeguard approach is really smart and I think I should do this more the way I've tried to deal with it is put myself in as many situations where the extreme trait is good and just yeah. avoid the ones where it's bad. So, so, so where, where is your extreme trait good and where is it bad? So like, for example, something like this right now, this podcast, yeah. I'm 100% focused I can tell on you. Awesome. I am locked in. And to be clear, this is for me, what I do in my one-on-one conversations anyways. Yeah. Yes. I've noticed this every time we talk and yeah. you are such a good conversationalist Thank and you. 
honestly, it's much more rare than I thought. Because mm. um, I, I have moved around a lot um, and I've gotten really close with people, but it takes a while to find people who are really focused and interested in who they're talking with. They're there in the moment, you know, like the kind of people who don't take out their phone when you're having a meal yeah. or something like that. Um, it's something that I don't often meet in the creator community um, and that I've even talked to my sister about where we'll be at dinner with creators and it'll and it'll be like an hour that has passed and not a single person has asked a question about either of us even though they're our friends and we're driving the entire conversation and so it's something that I've come to appreciate so much especially yeah. after being in LA. Well one thank you. Two it takes more than one person. What's the saying? It takes two to tango. Right. I distinctly remember being at one of your events you held in the old Envy house. And I remember you just coming over and you were talking with me. And I just felt, I was like, oh my gosh, there are like so many people like Alexander needs to host. And I kept in the middle of the conversation being like, oh, well, like this has been fun, but I want to like make sure you like have time to mingle. I know because you're always caring about the other person. Yeah. Because I was just like, I okay, tell, yeah. I don't want to like take your attention. And you kept being like, Nah, I'm good. And you just like plop yourself down on like the yeah, ottoman. There's yeah, like the big I, TV yeah, and you're yeah, just like sitting there. I was enjoying there. that conversation. I was, I was like, like, no, this oh. is great. I was like, what a wild concept. Alexandra is enjoying this. And that was so bizarre for me. I just assumed that I need to prove value. I need to show, hey, like, yeah, like keep working. And you were just like, no, I like this. And I was like, oh, I was like, damn, okay, okay. And then I still asked you a couple of times. I was like, okay, like now is an appropriate juncture on which to depart. Like I would not be offended if you're like, I need to use the bathroom or you need to get a drink now. Like it's cool, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. In those rare moments where I actually can focus, mm -hmm. like you are literally, like there could be like a person like in medical attention over there. And like, obviously I'll go take right. care of them. Like if it like will my co-founder. But, but you don't notice because you're so focused. Well, I might notice, but then in the back of my head, I'll go help them. But in my head, I'll be like, could you just like, chill for like five seconds that it's very cool yeah. that you can get so zo zoned in on the moment like that but then that's why i try to avoid situations where that's a weakness yeah where like if there's a lot of things going on and there's a person who needs like, medical like attention party, party yeah it's really really hard i get really scattered or as co-ceo now one-on-ones get really tricky because now they always end up being tactical they always end up on like what's the thing we need to do tomorrow yep. Versus I like to like actually get to catch up with them. And so yeah. it ends up being me cool. Like, have we done like XXX? And yeah, so I've been trying to figure out how do I free up my bandwidth to do one-on-ones with a smaller set of people yeah, so that it's more focused. Yeah, that makes sense. So <laughs> I feel like the moral I just gave was like, ha you have like quote unquote weaknesses. Like those aren't weaknesses. Those are just bad situations. Like avoid all aforementioned bad situations. You'll be good. I don't know. That's the that lesson is, here. That, that is kind of the lesson you gave, but. I, I think more so than that, it's just you always hear people telling you to focus on your strengths instead of just trying to be better at things that maybe you don't really like and that don't really serve you. Um, and I do like the idea of seeking out the situations where your strengths yeah. play into place and maybe actively thinking about what those are. But what about for you? What do you think? What's the strength you want to double down on? What's the situations you want to throw yourself in where it gets to shine? I think it's when I'm passionate about yeah, things. that intensity that's yes. where it's just 100 percent. exactly because i could get very intense yeah. and very passionate about things but i can't force myself to be it has to come naturally and it has to be a true interest but when i'm in that zone there's so much that i'm able I love to it. do in short periods of time 
And I really, really crave those kinds of things. Like, and honestly, yeah. I think it's, I've thought about it. I, I think when I'm in the zone or when I'm in a state of, I think it's called flux, it's the time when I'm the happiest. Mm. There's no time passing. Nothing else exists. I'm completely engaged. I'm either working on something or I'm learning something really interesting. Or maybe it's even like a conversation that is, that is awesome and there's no other thoughts, nothing else. And I really live for those kinds of things. Me too. Where all the distractions and all the noise just disappears. Yes. I remember the philosopher Camus wrote a short piece about Sisyphus. I love how much you quote philosophers. This is fun. I try. It's like learning from borrowing from the brains of others, yeah. right? Which yeah. I've even had a few from you. I can quote you in the same line as Camus, right? And so I think he wrote a piece on Sisyphus pushing mm -hmm. a boulder up a hill. Yep. And you might imagine how it ends, right? He's pushing the boulder up, it falls back down, he pushes it back up, but the piece concludes with him saying, one must imagine Sisyphus happy. Because what does the outcome ever even really mean? It's about finding yourself in that state of flow where you're just wholly focused on that thing and enjoying yeah. it. And Sisyphus, this is his entire existence. I said flux, I meant flow. <laughs> flow regardless. Yeah. This is all that he does. He gets to focus all his work on just keep pushing the boulder up yep. there's a yeah. simplicity to that i mean very very much so it's it's the journey not the destination um which is why i think passion and enjoying your work is so yes. important for long-term sustainability even though i've been a little jaded on the do what you love and you'll never work a day in your life because that's not true once yeah. you start working on your passion project it does turn into work You're like no it's work <laughs> but i do think you can have a grander scheme of what are the big goals that you want to build towards and feel like you're slowly progressing, even if some day-to-days aren't great. I like that. Let's do a level two. I think we are so ready. Wow. Okay. I know. We're progressing. Up this is bit. exciting. Ooh. Alexandra, what question are you trying to answer most in your life? <laughs> well, honestly, I've touched upon it, I feel like, throughout the podcast, which is very much trying to find the projects that I find the most meaning in that wow. I can spend my time on um, that and also figuring out my balance, as I mentioned, in terms of like being healthy, both in terms physically and mentally. And one big thing that is playing into that is me considering to make a big move to mm. New York. Um, and f for me, I, I like L.A., but I love New York. And I've moved once a year for like the last eight years. Yeah, I remember. And it's it's very hard to keep moving. Um, and for me, being able to put roots and like be comfortable with the people I know there, really like the city, have my own place, have my routines, have everything built in is extremely helpful. And I'm at the point where I'm thinking, where would I want to live at least a lot of years yeah. or maybe long term? And for me, that's been New York. And it was something that I didn't think I'd be able to do full time because it's important to be in LA if you're a creator, right. but I just started prioritizing different things. I love that. What I'm hearing you express is you're making decisions and deciding which ones you're going to commit to. Yep. I think that everyone always talks about what they want because talking about what they want is easy. Want represents gain. Like if I do this, I get this. People often find it harder to talk about what they want to commit to because commit mm -hmm. is loss. Yep. It's I'm choosing this and I can't do other things. Yep. And you're you like, give stuff up. Exactly. If I'm in New York, I'm not in LA and this is 
a trade-off that affirms who I am, which is cool. Yeah, and it's one that I've felt really scared to do, but I finally feel very sure of it. Um, so that's that's a big step. That's a big life decision. I like that. And it's going to feel unlike all the other moves because the other moves I always knew they were temporary, but I'm moving somewhere that feels like, no, 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 this is where I want to be. This is home. And that is extremely comforting to me. Yeah. What about you? What is your question? I think if I were to break my life out into chapters, into eras, right? This is the... I'm not sure what I should be focusing on era. So I think it's the meta level where, as I mentioned before, Carrot's gone to the point where it has its own needs and wants. And the ways I spend my time from a company perspective are very different from how it was a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's thinking through, what do I do about this? Like I just talked about trying to find situations that leverage strengths and avoiding ones that turn them into weaknesses. Like, do I hire people to take over the operationally oriented tasks so I can focus on the relationships and maybe that's the right thing. Do I know? Like, actually, yeah, like try and avoid situations, but like you're co-CEO. Like there's just certain situations you can't avoid and like yeah. you're going to have to like just bone up and improve a little and just yeah. really dig into it. I don't know. And I think that's what I'm trying to figure out. That reminds me a lot about how I've been thinking about work where it's like these are videos and content projects I really want to work on, but these are ones that I know will do well. And yeah. I'm just kind of doing a mix of, both right now and it's 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 been enough but I don't know do you feel like you could do a mix of being the relationship person and maybe um, passing on some of the management prior uh, management tasks you have to do and I know it's very basic like oh can't you just split it similarly to you I either really care or I don't care yeah and so my co-founder is giving me this feedback when I give projects to other people Either like I just am very bad at focusing attention out at like whatsoever and they have like complete free reign. And then we check back after like three months and because I didn't do a good job aligning them on what matters, it's usually like not in the place it should be. And yeah. Will's like, dude, Eric, like <laughs> you yeah. got to track this. Yeah. Or like my splitting attention, I'll give it to somebody else, but I care so much about it yep. that I definitely end up micromanaging and just sharing like extremely like in the weeds feedback yeah. And like neither has worked great. So yeah, it's a great question, Alexandra. Can I give something to somebody else and like have like a modicum of like medium level managerial site where I'm ensuring that I'm aligned, but I'm not like in the weeds and everything. I don't know. Yeah. That is literally what I'm trying to yeah. figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I don't think you figure that out on the spot. I think it's one of those things that takes a lot of time yeah. and then you can... You'll get there. I know you will. Thank you. I think we're ready for level three. Okay. I'm ready, ready to, to do the honors. Up. And I get to ask the question this time, which is exciting. Yeah. Okay. If you could prescribe me one thing to do for the rest of this month, what would it be and why? That's a hard one. feel like you're really doing all the things i yeah, feel I like feel can we change the yeah question? let's do because i have the, the same answer the, the only thing that i'll say is i think from our last conversation to this current one you have prescribed yourself all the things that you need to do and oh, that's wow. why right that's why i don't actually don't have an answer really have you seen progress from last yes time oh to today? my gosh so yes. i'm thinking like actually i'm thinking back to like the party you hosted at the yeah. empty house yeah. right 
And now you are so much more committed to your choices and certain and at peace, but still having that intensity. That's not like whatever you prescribe to yourself, keep doing it, honestly. I, I appreciate that. It's It's been a lot of work that kind of goes on. The hard thing about self-work is that it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of thought and nobody on the outside sees it. Yeah. And, you know, maybe sometimes you're putting in less effort into other things as a result because you're working so hard on changing this thing that's going to impact everything. Yeah. Um, but then slowly, slowly. I like that. Nobody notices until it's completely mm -hmm. different. Yeah. And I'd say that doesn't even just apply to you and what other people see. It even applies to you and yourself. Sometimes I used to struggle like, I want to change so bad. I used to work at Instagram. I want to go do a company so badly. Like, yeah. why am I doing it? Like, I just suck. Like, yeah. I know what I want you to do and I can't. You had that thought process for so many yeah. oh, months so before you actually years. left. Totally, years. And yeah. I was like, why aren't I doing this? And then one day I just woke up. I'm like, I'm ready to do this. <laughs> and it was my unconscious. Yeah. Taking all this input from all these people, yep. processing. And one day it just reached a decision that it, like, sent over to my conscious mind. It was like, okay, you're ready to do this. But, like... The same way others looking at you might not notice you working on things. Even myself looking at my internal self, I was just like, why am I not ready to make this decision? And then when I woke up, I'm like, I'm ready to make this decision. <laughs> and was it shocking for other people when you did that? No, because like I would like bellyache and complain yeah, and talk. Okay. I think literally the day I joined Facebook, like I think every other product manager in my class knew and had to like tolerate me being like, yeah, I'm going to be gone here in a few years. No, like, but the thing is the people who are like that are the people who actually leave. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the fact that I already came in, I was like, I'm going to be gone. Yes, I think people were yes. like, honestly, in retrospect, I wish I had done that differently because I think people were like, wow, look at this like comes in he's like i'm too good like i'm gonna leave it's like i'm not i'm too but good it's, not it's talking just about you being too good it's you kind of talking to yourself yes it was me trying to affirm to myself like yes. if i say this out loud enough i'm gonna it's going to have to it. people will be like oh why haven't you left yet ha 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 exactly it's like if i keep saying it i'll remember i need to do exactly. this and you know other people also hold you a little more responsible yeah. to it even if it's already in it motivation yeah. That's exactly right. All right, let's do a different level three. Go okay. for it. I'm gonna you read, ask. I'm going to ask this one. No, you know what? Different one? Uh, yeah, because I feel like we've answered okay. the different characteristic. One. Yeah, we did this one already. See, they're they're kind of similar. We're better than these questions, Alexandra. We How did we answer game. this one too? We did this the one as well. Power? Okay, you pick. Maybe you'll have better right. luck. How's this one? Okay, this is fun. What's the question? What parts of yourself do you see in me? Ooh, that is a good one. That's a fun one. I think intensity and vulnerability. Hmm. I think you and I both go really, really hard, but we're also aware of the not so great side effects of that and dealing with it as being like super open and vulnerable about like, yeah, I'm really tired and stressed about this thing and trying to be better. Yeah. No, I, I yeah. agree about that. And also the way you were talking about your, your high sensitivity. Yeah. I have that as well. And I've kind of... Again, I think I think about sensitivity differently, maybe because I'm thinking about a lens of like being a girl where if you're being sensitive, it's often seen as a bad thing. And one of the feedbacks I got before from somebody I was working with was that, hey, like, make sure you're not being a pushover when you're being too nice and things like that. Interesting. Um, or like it doesn't really you don't have to think about everyone's emotions. You're overstressing. Um, but it was one of those things that. It's just how I am. I yes. can't shut it off. It's so hard. And slowly over time, because 
for a while I'd perceived it as a weakness. I had to like keep trying to force it back down, force it back down. Um, but what I like about you and maybe I see a more developed version of myself in you is that you lean into it and you clearly see it as a strength. Whereas for me, it's just, it, it, it's kind of been framed as this negative thing. The people who do see it positive are my friends because they're like, oh, I know that like you care and I really, really appreciate that about you. I so get that. And to be clear, this is a work in progress three framing yeah. where I'm like, yeah, I'm really sensitive and I really care about a lot of things. And in certain circumstances, this is great. In others, it's not. Yep. I think I've even been trying to reframe. I think for a long time, I like really want to think of myself as strong, right? Yeah. Like this is why I... And sensitive feels like the weak. antithesis of It feels strong. soft, right? Yeah. And like now I'm trying to reframe like, like, no, I'm weak. And like, that's a good thing. Like, by God, now this sounds like I'm a martial artist in a Chinese <laughs> movie, but like, weakness is my strength. Yeah. The fact that I can be weak because nobody is good at everything, the fact that I can accept it mm -hmm. is what will make me strong. Right. And I'm really trying to internalize that. <laughs> is that quite, I don't quite believe it myself yet, but if I say it enough times, actually, what helped prompt this, I had, a dinner once where I was sitting next to Justin Khan. Okay. From Twitch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like telling me, he was super open. He's like, yeah, I've tried so many things. They haven't worked. This is yeah. coming off of Atrium, which was a yep. company he built. I got a Series B and it didn't work out. And he was just like, yeah, you know, like, I don't know if I'm actually good at this. That's why I'm trying to find other people who are operators, give them ideas, support them, fund yeah. them, and they go do it. And he's like telling me all these stories. And I was like, wow, you're like super open. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, but you're listening to me right now. Do you think less of me because I'm sharing these stories with you? Or do you think I'm even cooler? And I was like, kind of think you're even cooler. He's like, exactly. You can share stories around failure and weakness and people might actually appreciate you even more for that. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that. And I, I think one thing that I respect about Justin is that he's continued trying in yeah. terms of being an entrepreneur and starting company after company. Um, but also his uh, YouTube channel where he kind of talks about the process and how yes. open he is um, has been actually very helpful to listen to. Yeah, it's like taking what people were shit on and owning it to yeah. make it something you can tell people. The other example I think of, they want to just study on like unorthodox clothing choices. Like say you're a professor yeah. at Harvard Business School and you yeah. walk in in like a t-shirt or a sneakers. It's like a little off, right? So if people already think highly of you, they think even more highly of you. Like, wow, what a baller he or she is mm -hmm. to buck conventional clothing norms. But if they already think you're an idiot, they're going to be like, wow, what a dumbass. Like, doesn't yeah. even know how to dress. Yeah, no, that, that, that makes a lot of sense. Their opinion is going to remain pretty similar to what it was it before. Just amplified. And so I actually share, I'm trying to think of the softness and weakness as... Wait, so should you just be soft when it's somebody who likes you? <laughs> Well, I think, oh, wow, that's like next level strategic thinking. I was going to say. Well, because if someone doesn't like you, you don't want to give them anything that they would not like. You immediately made the connection between shoes and softness. I was about to say, yeah. So if you share your weakness, your softness, if they think of you highly already, it'll be more so. But if yeah. they don't, it's less so. Yeah. And you're not like, ooh, how can I strategically deploy this? 
But I, I do think love if, it. If, I, I think at some point if you get too strategic about things, it's it's a little bad and you can get a little robotic. Have been there. Oh, but- I'm strategic too. Again, this is another thing. No, no, I don't think yeah. you're robotic. I was more telling it for myself. Well, the reason why I spoke up is I used to feel ashamed around feeling strategic. Oh. Right? Around like, oh my gosh, like I want to network with this person. Yep. And I once had a conversation with a friend. He's like, I think it's a good thing. Like, why are you shitting on yourself for this? And now I'm like, yeah, I can be strategic. Yeah. And like, that's okay. Yeah. That's true. I think it's very much in terms of your perspective on your own traits. So I kind of love the big brain thinking when you're like, ooh, given the study, like, who do I share? Who do I wear the metaphorical red shoes around? Exactly. Exactly. And who do you feel okay sharing more with? Well, yeah. if you're listening to this podcast, I hope you're one of the good guys. <laughs> Everyone's watching your stream. They're like, is this the stream she wanted to do? Or is this the stream she didn't want to do? Exactly. You'll never know. Well, I, I think that's actually right. I don't think vulnerability is being vulnerable to everybody. It's, mm-hmm. I think that's or why. Or being vulnerable about everything. It's just yes. very specific things in the right time for the right audience. Yes. It's all about boundaries. And yeah. like things only have meaning because you're choosing. Because I'm choosing to share this with you, mm-hmm. that's why it's cool. Yeah. I also, oh, go ahead. No, no, I was listening. I was going to say, yeah, and the other thing, I just remember when I was like, yeah, my parents were like, yeah, this is like kindergarten level math. And you're like, yeah, my parents said this. Yeah, I definitely had a moment where I was like, what? Like, I've- Yeah, no, when you said that, I was like, that sounds like my parents. And especially with math, they just would always shit on it. Yeah, I was just like, wait, I've never heard someone be like, yeah, my parents did that too. I was like, Honestly, it's the reason that I always thought I'm terrible at math because of my parents always saying that as a kid. I was like, I guess I'm just terrible. I still think I'm terrible at math. Yeah. Ironically, it's because like the liberal arts, they never necessarily valued enough to give me feedback on it. And maybe that's why I think I'm good at it. Because no one was ever like, you're like kindergarten. Yeah, exactly. If you're doing liberal arts, then you can kind of get away with it. Yeah, exactly. What about, what about anything in particular about yourself that you see in me in addition what I said. I mean, I went over a lot of things, so. Well, that's why I had talked about the sensitivity part. Yeah. Because I think that was a big one. Um, I think it's the way you hold conversation and why even at that party, I was like, I'm so glad that I could sit down and chat. Yeah. Um, I really meant it when I said you're, you're one of the unique people who I can tell is completely into the conversation. And it's not just empty conversation. You're thinking about it deeply and that reflects in the questions you ask Mm. next and where you take it. And usually when I talk to people, I feel like I need to be the person who's doing that and driving it. Mm. But when I'm with you, it's a lot more relaxed because I know I can actually think about it. And if I'm still thinking, you're going to pick it up. And I don't often have these kinds of fulfilling conversations. I feel the exact same way. I often feel, I think this might be tied to something deeper where both you and I are like, I need to drive this combo so this person has a good experience. Yes, but so it also has job. to be interesting. Yes. So I need to think deeply because otherwise I'm going to ask a trite question. Exactly. And, and then, but then it's comfortable because I know it's going to be a good conversation. Yes. And that's why I'm okay taking on the burden of driving this combo. Yeah. But like with you and I, we already are both trying. So exactly. there's like a little we're, bit of like, we're both tryhards. Yeah, we're both tryhards. So like, I can trust, like, okay, cool. Like, I can just like chill a bit because yeah. I know Alexandra's thinking about this too and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I'm glad that you also have. I've had so many conversations 
So I started using the dating apps for the first time in the past couple of years. Okay, which one's your favorite? I Oh, can you tier you know what would be fun and you could do this as a clip that you should just quick dating do, app tier list. Yes, just really quick. Yeah, sure. Well, that's <laughs> really easy because um I guess Hinge because people respond to me there okay. and everything else is F tier because no one ever cares. So <laughs> okay, I think okay. Alexandra, your experience on dating apps <laughs> is probably a little different from mine. Okay. <laughs> a girl's experience on dating apps is very, very well, different. What's, what's your tier list? Um, yeah, no, they're all good. <laughs> <laughs> I love you're like every single dating app is S tier. They're all well, good. No, but I, I've met a, like I, I, I've met some incredible people even off Tinder, which is usually considered the worst dating right. apps. And people who I like, who I had like relationships with before they had to move back to their own countries, and it was awesome. But I'm also a tryhard. Like if I'm using <sighs> dating apps, I'm gonna optimize use them. Oh yeah, I'm gonna optimize it, and I'm gonna like make it. sure that we're meeting in person. Um, so then Ooh. when I get into that mindset, like I always meet incredible people. Um, Wait, so yeah. what's the dating playbook? So say you see somebody that you think is interesting and you swipe on them. Is it phone call, chat, banter, or like, no, we're meeting up. Like, oh, let's go hard. I, I, well, I think girl and guy is different. So for example, my guy friends actually built like a chat bot for the dating apps um, where it would ask a very specific set of questions and it had this really funny prompt. But then they got on Unhinged, which is this Instagram photo that calls people out because girls kept getting the same one. So oh that ended gosh. up not working. Um, and by friend, he was my ex. So honestly, no hard feelings there. Um, is this, did he use the chatbot on you? No, 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 no he didn't. We, we, we met in, in person and we were friends at this point. So I was like, oh, that's fine. That's very funny. Um, but for me, no, I, I, I like to... The hardest thing is when I match with someone, I'm like, would I want to go on a date with them? Yeah based off just what I see in their bio and their photos. I mean, which is pretty superficial, but it's a dating app. And if the answer isn't for sure yes, then I just don't even talk to them. If the answer is yes, then I start those conversations. And then I usually like lead into, let's get a coffee. So and it's you're the coffee. one, you're the one leading into let's meet up. Um, Unless they do it first, but yes, wow. my goal is always to do it. And I always like doing a short meeting first, like a coffee. Because it just saves time. It's casual. And then I like putting a stop after. Or like I used to when I would use the dating apps. I'm not right now. You're like yeah. literally running these meetings like a CEO. You're like, I'm interested. I will indicate interest and set up time. It will be 30 minutes. It will be short. You will have a chance to prove like yourself. That. I say like, oh my gosh, do you want to do coffee? And then we figure out a time. I, was like, I love I your like love the, to. the feminine urge to add. After, though, the so feminine urge to add, oh my gosh, in the beginning. Yeah. 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 Well, I have to, I have to like soften it up, you know. So when you're, say we're in the middle and we're getting coffee and you're like, I don't like this conversation anymore. What do you say? Um, I'm actually really bad at that because of the high sensitivity. So I don't want people to feel bad during a date and it's dates that I've like wanted to end early and have tried, but if the person pushes and I feel so bad and I'll stay for longer, um, which is why I think you just got to really screen as much as you can. But a lot of the dates I've had have actually been really good. Uh, I, I think... Mm, like 90% of the dates I went on from dating apps, I went on a second date with or something like that. Your screening is really good. So no, I, I just screen very intensely, but I also think of it as a chore. Like I would set myself up, listen to like a podcast and do like 20 minutes of swiping at night, make sure the people are good and then go on dates. And then, yeah, it was lovely. 
But that makes so much sense. Studies show the biggest determinant, one of them, on your quality of life is the partner you're with. Why would you not spend extra time on this? Oh, I've thought very much about life partner and yeah. No, Tell I, me more. In what way? Well, exactly, because it's it's one of the most important choices you're going to make in your life, um, both in terms of your happiness, but both, but also in terms of who you are going to be, right? Because whatever, you're a mix of the seven people you spend your most time with. The significant other is going to be who you spend your most time with. And like, obviously, there's charts and different points at life. Like, for example, you spend the most time with your significant other when you're at a retirement age. Um, but you make so many important decisions together. So I think it's as important as picking a good career path, if not even more in certain cases. I love that. I'm now tying the, you're very intense on the things you care about. You care a lot about finding the right partner. Let's find the right person. Let's assess. Let's vet. Let's meet. Yes. Okay. Honestly, your playbook sounds amazing. So what I've usually done and I love how you're like, every dating app is S tier. And I'm like, all of them are not good for me. Well, again, I, I, I know it's, for all of my girlfriends, they love the dating apps. My guy friends. It does remind me. I once had a conversation with a female friend of mine and she was like, Eric, this is years ago. She's like, I have a great idea for like a dating app startup. I was like, okay, what? She's like, I get so many requests and pings. I need like a CRM. I need like Salesforce to manage my prospects. Could you build this for me? And I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> like, yeah, I too need Excel <laughs> sheets to manage the plethora of people interested like hmm, like what a relatable problem that i no, too share no, and have empathy it's, it's definitely a girl thing and yeah, it's definitely you're, you're how like, the market is this. on apps i love you're like smiling you're like yeah i would use salesforce for hinge um i mean would i have done something like that yeah i mean i would have absolutely outsourced it but i just wouldn't trust people yeah the biggest thing is just the picks because once you have the picks then it's fun. I feel like it's like a metaphorical analogy here to like being a good CEO where you're like, you're like, I need to be aligned with the person making these choices. Exactly. Do they really know? If not, I have to do this well, myself. Well, because it's so specific. And how do you describe what you like? Because it's not something on paper. Yeah. What's like the best initial first date you've ever been on? Um, Best initial first date? Well, I think it was during college um and we became friends at a party that is many years ago but keep going well because a lot of the other first dates were really nice but they were just something like coffee or walking around so this was the only exciting one um and i guess it's kind of weird now that i'm reflecting on it but i was like oh you should complete this mission and then i gave them a list of things to accomplish around comp around campus like steal a golf cart get a piece of like art from a dorm and like all these things. Um, and I kind of started it as a joke, but then they were really down to try it. So then we spent like the next two hours going on a scavenger hunt adventure. And it was really fun. That is such strong CEO energy. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, what was funny is so like we took, there was like students would always put stuff in the dorm and like, okay, I shouldn't condone stealing, but Anyway, so we took one, and then two years later, I found out from someone who lived at the dorm that like there was this piece of missing artwork from their dorm that they blamed on a rival dorm, and then it started this whole fight. Oh, no. And I thought that was hilarious. It was you. It was me. It was me. Oh, you art thief. You better hope the statute of limitations <laughs> expired, Alexandra, because... I know. Well, they weren't real art. They were painted, but 
yeah, you know, it, maybe we shouldn't we shouldn't have done that. This, this whole video. I, just, I needed a thrill, okay? <laughs> yeah, like I needed to Alex feel alive. No, no, no. Oh, that, that's the thumbnail. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. you and like the hamburgers. Alexander Botez steals. steals art. The whole setup here was just a sting to catch you. This is where yeah, the police bust I down mean, the they door. They throw it away at the end of each year, but does that know. make stealing okay? No, no, it doesn't. Honestly. No, but I was going to be honest about the story. What about your best first date? I also just want to say I love how when I was like, oh, that's like a while ago you had your best date. You were like, yeah, all the others are just coffee dates. Like, hmm, like <laughs> I wonder why. Like, we should cut to Alexandra like five minutes ago being like, I make sure to set up every date as a coffee date. And then you one minute ago, you're like, they're all boring. They're just coffee dates now. Well, well. The other thing is a lot of other dates are like people who I've known for a really long time that then turns romantic. Oh, so you're like a friends to more oh, type yeah. person. That's, that's how, uh, you know, the person who I'm seeing now is. Wow. Yeah. That's like a yeah. romance trope right I know, there. It's really fun. Well, it's more fun that way because when you're in that gray zone where you already really like somebody as a friend, first of all, that's yeah. really important. You want to be friends with Obviously. your partner. And there's the fun gray zone where you know they're into you and like you get to play with it and you're like feeling the anticipation. And you're like, am I going to do it tonight or am I going to make them wait? And it's so high adrenaline. You like the dance. Yeah. You like knowing. Oh, I love the dance. Because they're in the friend zone and they're trying to get out of it. And I mean, so am I, but like yeah. you don't need to know that but right away. You know they that know they it, like but they you. They don't need to know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, there's always, you can always tell. How do you? No, how can you tell? You can just tell. Like when yeah. somebody's really responsive, they're always down to hang out. Yeah. Even if you're friends, they they probably like you. And then when when someone who you've been friends with compliments you in a way that's like, oh, like you look really pretty today or something like that. And they try to do it in a yeah. nonchalant way. But that's when you know, okay, well, if they're physically attracted to me and they like me as a friend and they're single. Yeah. I love you're like, these are the combination of three things <laughs> where the they're interested. That mean they're interested, play the dance. You're like, the bait has been laid. Now I wait and see. I just love, though, that you gave your college date a mission of tasks to fulfill. And I also called myself the Godfather. And that was how I saved my name in his phone. And he was like, yeah, people thought it was a little Ooh. weird, but that's okay. You know, those of you watching this, if he wanted to, he would. <laughs> If your guy doesn't go on, like, I don't know, a 10-hour clandestine CIA-style mission for the Godfather and steal art for you, like, does he even really does care? Does he even like you? <laughs> you don't know. We just don't but know. It's just true. So I'll say I've actually never dated somebody that I was friends with first. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I think it's for me because in college, there's this girl that I really liked, and I was like so deep in the friend zone Aww. that I think neither of us even realized that I did actually like this person as more. Oh, yeah. You can't get that deep into the friend zone. I was in so deep. It has to be yeah. the new, like a relatively like new Like the waiting. Friend. Yeah. There's like the intrigue, yeah, if it's an the old drama. friend, it never works. Exactly. So yeah. I was so deep in the friend zone. I remember, and I don't think both of us were freshmen, so we didn't even realize. She had someone she was seeing, and they were like fighting. They like broke up. So she didn't have anybody to take her to like her house formal. And she asked me to take her, like, as a friend. And I was, agreed, as a friend. And I go take her. And I'm, like, so deep in the friend zone. I'm, like, not even sure. I'm, like, oh, I'm really excited about this for some reason. And then her ex, like, drives in from New Haven, shows up in the middle. And she's, like, okay, cool. Like, sorry, Eric. Like, I'm actually going to try and continue this dance with him. And I just, like, left. And I was just, like, I'm, like, why am I sad? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't understand these feelings. Like, 
That's how deep they were in the so friend suppressed. zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were so deep in there. And I think both of us did it. But then like going to her as her date to like a formal and then like being asked to leave in the middle because her ex came in. Mm-hmm. I like walked away from that. And it took me like a little bit of time to process. I'm like, oh, no, I was into her and I am sad now. Okay. So I think because of that experience, I that sort of like intrigue area, whenever I've like entered into there, I'm like, I'm just not going to because this could end up with me taking her to formal and her ex-boyfriend shows up in the middle. Yeah. And no, thank you. So what did you do? So, well, in that particular thing, I just went home and then she wrote me a card the next day. She's like, oh, thanks. And I was like, oh, okay. Wait, so you missed your formal? Yeah, I did, but I mean, I wasn't going to stay there. Formals are overrated. Exactly. In high school, truly. That's, this is actually college, but <laughs> and, and college. Point, point taken. All formals. So. <laughs> and so I think, I think for me, I've only dated people who I like literally just met ever and don't know them as friends at all. Got it. And clearly, this has not been working out. So maybe I need to take a page out of your book. And to answer your question, I like I'll, what about someone <laughs> you've been friends with for like a month to three? You know, where it's friends you like them but it's not too I just feel so uncomfortable I'm so afraid of like am I gonna offend them yeah like I don't want to and I think that's also because you're a guy and you feel more pressure where you're versus you're literally like I am the godfather I await their next move (laughs) no 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 it's not like that I just know that if the girl is making the move or like the girl is chasing like it's generally okay like, have you have you chased? Honestly, the person who I'm seeing right now, I remember he sent me a text. He was like, "Oh, we're gonna be such great friends," and I remember laughing. I'm like, "Haha, that's what he thinks." You already <laughs> knew. I'm so impressed by you taking initiative. Look, all of those watching, your partner is such a big determinant of your happiness. You need to take a page of Alexander's book and be the initiator. Why would you be reactive and wait for that person to come to you? That's true. You don't want to wait for that. I love it. To answer your question, um, best date, I'll answer worst date. Okay. So oh, I, met, I have great bad date stories. Ooh, okay, I'll do one and you do one. And then we'll do one more question. <laughs> okay, okay, this out. sounds good. So my, my bad date, so I met with someone off of Tinder, and this is San Francisco, and we, we agreed to meet at a blue bottle. So I sent her the address. I go to the blue bottle like 15 minutes early. I'm like, oh, I'm like so responsible. I'm on time. I'm like never on time for anything. And I'm like, well, I really need to go use the bathroom. So I go into the hall, I go into the bathroom, and it's like a hallway with like separate bathrooms, like locks and doors. Okay. It's not like a bathroom with stalls. There's like individual rooms. So I go into one. Locked. I got locked in it. No, oh you God. didn't. Oh my God. You know me so well. <laughs> like literally as I lock the door, there's a weird click. And I was like, haha, like wouldn't it be funny if it didn't open? And this just became like a date story. And I was like, whatever. I like do my thing. I'm like washing my hands. I'm like, okay. And I'm like, oh my God, it's not working. And so I text my date because now it's time. And I'm like, I'm genuinely not trying to ghost you. I'm actually locked in the bathroom of the blue bottle. And like, I'm sure I'll be out in a couple of minutes, but that's just where I am. And I keep trying. And after five minutes, it doesn't open. And I start banging the door and I'm like, please, somebody like come in. And so the baristas come out and like, okay, you like, you dumb like, okay, fine. Let me use the store key. It's jammed. The key, it doesn't work. I literally have a photo, by the way of this whole experience because what ended up happening was they called in the fire department to saw open the lock. And when I come in, the breezes felt so bad for me. They gave me gift cards for my date and I took a photo with them. We will put this photo. It's like this 
barista, he just looks so sheepish. He's just like, oh my God, like, ha, sorry, I locked you in my store's bathroom. That's so funny. I was like, I was like, you don't understand. If a girl comes, tell her I'm in the bathroom. So I'm like messaging her. I'm like, okay, like I know it's like 15 minutes in. I swear I'm a real person. Like just like peek into the hallway and do you see there's like four people gather around a bathroom door? Like that's me. Did she find it funny? Well, here's the weirder thing. She was 30 minutes late because she went to the wrong blue bottle twice. And I thought she was ghosting me. She's like, oh, I'm at the wrong one. I sent her. She's like, at the wrong. And then she eventually found it and ended up being fine. But I was just like, yeah, this this, this is an Eric So did you guys use the gift cards? Was there a continuation Uh, date? We did use the gift cards and nothing ever really happened. But yeah, that's like a very standard Eric date. Like locks himself in bathroom, requires firemen to break him out. That's actually hilarious. Yeah, it was pretty funny in retrospect. But in the moment, I was like, God, why? (laughs) Okay, wait, what's, what's what's your bad date story? Um... You know, one of mine actually also has a bathroom. Did you get locked in it as well? Is this why you knew I was locked? No, mine is mine is worse. I've already told this one on stream, I think okay. like a few days after it happened. Um this this was actually not a coffee date. This was like a hangout for too many hours date. And then we came back to hang out at my apartment. Um and then his place was like an hour away. And then I went to the bathroom, came out, and he was gone. Yeah. How dare he? Yeah. Wow, the I nerve. Know. How could he? Who does he think he is? You know, when you piss off the Godfather, you wake up with a dead horse head in your bed. Oh, yeah. I, so I it's sent, on I its way. One, I sent one over. I'm glad. And no, if he's no. watching this, there's I, I, more I, to come. I, I, thought it, I thought it was very funny, like about a week after, but the the the... Day night of, I was like, "What?" Also, he lives an hour away. Yeah, that's why it was so confusing. I was like, "Okay." Well, I guess the real answer to something about me I see in you is bad date stories around bathrooms. Yes. So clearly, if you're ever on one that's going well, just hold it. Yeah, just don't go to the. Bathroom. Yeah, don't let that don't event occur. Leave your date. Yeah, previous experience. Bathrooms bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Well, let's just pretend that like he had an emergency that came up and it was really he, urgent. He, he kind of gave an explanation that made sense. What was his explanation? How about like he never had been with like a girl before, so it kind of did make sense. Oh, okay. This just wrapped around from yeah. you suck to oh. Yeah, I was like oh. He was scared. I was like, well, yeah, that's okay. He was super scared. He still should not have done that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, fine, yeah. okay, well, dude. I mean, it's like, it, first of all, like, stuff didn't even necessarily was going to happen, but you could just say, like, oh, I'm feeling nervous instead of just ghosting, but it's okay. I think some people have really cold feet. See, that's the thing. Vulnerability is strong. Yeah. You can be weak in front of others. Yeah. And share and yeah. it's up okay. Yeah, exactly. So it's all good, pretty funny, have had many weird scenarios. And now because I'm a creator, if there's ever a weird scenario, I think, oh, this is gonna be a great story. You're like, this is just content now. Yeah, I'm like, how can we make it more interesting? <laughs> I have in LA a hundred percent like met people in the real world that I've matched with on hinge oh and then they pulled the like where have we met before i'm like "Hmm, i don't know like what a mystery i don't remember because clearly you don't (laughs) oh no well that's that's have you ever brought up that you knew where you met it's come up before there was did it go well there was one at the streamer awards 
where Ooh. someone came up to me and they're like, tell me about Carrot. And I'm like talking about it. And then in the middle, they're like, okay, cool. But like, where have I met you before? I'm like, so <laughs> this is a discussion we should have another time. But this is where we met. <laughs> that, that makes was, sense. That was interesting. <laughs> That's sweet. Okay. Last All right. La- last one. Level three. This time I'll pull it. Do it. I think we've known this one before. I love how similar some of them are. Ooh, this is a good one. Both players share something you're most grateful for in the current moment. Hmm. I am honestly right now very grateful for self-progress that I did not think was possible a few months ago. Um, Because for me, it was very much all like almost life changing honestly um and i know we've talked about it off off the podcast um but it's something that i'm extremely grateful for because i feel like it's going to change everything i love that yeah that's what i was saying you seem so much ready mm-hmm. and like coiled potential energy ready to just kill oh, yeah. it in the next year and i'm just coiling it i'm just yeah, getting you're coiling they're so i'm like cranking your energy coil yeah, like yeah, you yeah. are so ready to go hard and i i can just tell hell yeah okay what That's about so yours cool. i think for me what, what was something i'm grateful for i think I'm now realizing like carrot is a thing and I get to do this. I think in the first couple of years, I was like, oh, cool. Like tomorrow this is gone. (laughs) Yeah. And like whether we succeed or not is still an open question. Obviously, I'm trying my hardest, but there's a lot of uncertainty. But Mm -hmm. I know at least this journey will continue on for the foreseeable future. We've done enough to get to continue working on this. Right. And that's just like a new realization. Will and I, my co-founder, we were talking. We're like, we've been doing this for three years now. This is literally longer than either of us has spent working at any place, period. Yeah. It's like, huh. That's a feeling. It's a real thing. And it's through Carrot that I've gotten to get to know you. Oh, I really so, appreciate that. And I'm very happy. That, that, that does make sense. I have always wondered at what point in a startup do you start feeling like, okay, the world is not going to get pulled from under. At least not like immediately tomorrow. Right away. Exactly. Yeah, the, the existential. Do you, do you feel like that with Botez Live yet? Um, I, I do feel like things won't just collapse. Um, but I do also think that, you know, as a creator, I mean, the thing that's different about being creator is that almost everybody ends up irrelevant. Ludwig's spoken on this in the stream, too. He's like, I will be old and no one will watch me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like no one will remember what you did and things like that. So... In, in content, it's more like you don't want that to happen before your time is up. Yeah. But now, as a more recently, is like, okay, well, that's going to happen to me. That's going to happen to everyone. So at least let's spend it doing what I really like. So that I'm yeah. just happy that that existed for somebody, whether or not it's relevant or not, doesn't really matter. All things come to an end. And yeah. now you've owned it and you can do with what, what you want. Exactly. Alexander, thank you so much for coming on. I'm thank so you grateful. for having me. This yeah. is awesome. I like the Is this a podcast format usually? Yeah. Oh, I like it. Cool.